address was, and I told her, I gave her my personal email address, Pastor Monday, and she said, I like that, and uh, uh, and you could tell, you know, she's, I, I like the idea of Pastor Monday, and I said, well, thank you. I said, you know, we're, we're definitely in a day and age where people need to know that Jesus is the answer, and we had about a five-minute conversation. She lives in Chicago, and their church, she said, runs about 600, and so they are they are opening, but they're taking it. They're doing multiple services so that they're uh, not getting themselves in trouble. But you know, it's just encouraging to talk to her. And and uh, uh, here, here we are. She's uh, uh, representing an insurance company in Chicago, Illinois, and just able to discuss the goodness of God. And and it was it's those little things that are such an encouragement. And and. Um, you know, and, and probably get myself in trouble for this, but I, the, the best part about that conversation is that she wasn't white and we had a great conversation and you can actually find, you know, how, and the reason I say all that is because Jesus, and I told her this, Jesus bridges the gap on anybody in our cultures and uh, skin color, how stupid that is. And you ever want to get some good information, Wes was looking at this today. Uh, look up uh, Ken Ham, and he's a creationist. He was also, he's also a scientist. And he, he's the one that has the creation museum and also has the uh, ark in Kentucky. And he has about five, five different pamphlets on how racism stems from evolution and even has quotes of evolutionists uh, saying that that whites have evolved further away from the monkeys than the blacks and so that's why we the whites are, are a better origin this is look this is evolution this this is what they teach and so that does need to be on live stream, and I hope people can hear that. And, and it's, it's just trash that's being taught, and, and it's taught in every public school. And so now, you know, as, as the Reverend Wright would say, the chickens have come home to roost. And, uh, you know, you get what you're going to be taught, and that's what they're being taught. And so, praise the Lord, the Bible doesn't teach it. Praise the Lord, churches don't practice it. Those that are walking with God are not practicing it. And we just don't need to listen to all the press, the press and the hatred and the, the mockery and just trying to build up to whatever, whatever they want, some kind of a civil war or something, because Jesus is the answer. And... Uh, we, we just need to reach people with Christ and uh, stay after it and and be stubborn about doing it and uh, just be what we need to be. So we get into Micah, and we see that Micah is a pretty stubborn character himself in what he preaches, and and here he comes in, and, and, he's, and he's mainly now focused on Judah, but has also included... Uh, uh, Israel, the divided nations, in all of this, and in what he's been preaching to them, and and he's been telling them that you guys are being judged, and you're going to lose your country. You are going to be taken into captivity, and you need to get things right. And and 
uh, look to God, and, and now we've been seeing a litany of, of grievances that God has against uh, Judah and against Israel and their behavior and all that's been going on and, and how they have definitely strayed away from God in, in all of their activity. And, and so he started showing the, uh, uh, the, the judgment that's coming upon them. And in chapter 2 now, we, we see him listing some more of those grievances that he has. And, and we saw their evil mind in verses 1 through 3. And, and with their evil mind, then we saw in 4, 5, and 6, we saw God's response to that and, and what he's going to do in, in uh, response to their evil mind. And, and then we get into verses 7 through 11, where we'll be tonight. And, and we see a list of some more things. And first of all, we... Um, in actually verses 7 through 11, we see their hypocrisy, and, and we'll uh, break it down a little bit more as, as we go in their hypocrisy. And he starts off in verse 7, he says, O thou art named the house of Jacob, is the spirit of the Lord straightened? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? And, and so in their hypocrisy, first of all, he wanted to remind them that do you not realize and understand that you are the house of Jacob? Who is the house of Jacob? We, we see and, and we know and we understand and we can go back into, uh, into Genesis where, where God was talking to Abraham and, and it was there that, that he chose Abraham to be the father of, of the nations and, and it was there that God designated that it was going to be the Jews that were going to be his chosen nation and they were going to represent him and 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 he gave them so he, he gave uh, those promises to to uh, Abraham go back if you want to Genesis chapter 17 and verses 4 through 8 and here it I'm sorry Heidi I forgot to give you all these verses tonight so but in Genesis uh, 17 verses 4 through 8 and and then we'll be in 1 Peter 1 13 through 17 also but says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations, for an everlasting covenant to be a to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee, and to thy seed after thee, the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And so here, the promise that he gave all the way back to Abraham, and, and we see that promise that, that he continued to tell them that, that you need to walk with me, you need to be obedient to me, you need to understand that, that you, are, you are different than the rest of the world and, and you are going to behave differently and, and I'm going to hold you to a standard that the rest of the world doesn't have. And, and, and that's what we see. And now they're not living up to that. They, they, look, they, they've been given the promise of the Messiah. They, they were given the law. They, they were given the, 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 the great uh, 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 leaders that they had and, and uh, Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob and and then the 12 sons and and then we see the the kings that came after him and those that were guarding protecting their nation and and like David and Solomon who who made that such a great nation and God using that and he said 
you have been set apart and to be used by me and to represent me. And, and so then we need to understand that, yes, we have Israel, and yes, we still have Israel today, and, and there are certain promises that are only for Israel, but we also know that today as believers and as children of God that we've been grafted in, and this is what he tells us over in First Peter chapter 1. And he tells us, and this is for all of us sitting here today, and he, and he tells us, he says in verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, prepare your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So remember I told you when we went into this that we wanted to first of all see the primary application is to Israel. Secondary application that we have is to our country and, and how our country ought to learn from Israel. And, and if we want God's blessings, let us behave like, like a godly nation that we have been called out to be. And then thirdly then, we need to look at it in that, in that uh, third way of application is in our own lives today and we need to understand that that we have a responsibility and and don't and and stop fashioning yourselves in the former lust and the former behavior of who you used to be and no longer are you that and he says be ye holy for i am holy and and that holiness and that righteousness isn't in ourselves it's in the righteousness of god and being obedient and living according to his word and and doing the things that he shows us in his word to do and and behaving like a believer, we have so often been taught by our behavior that we can say that we know Jesus, but live however way that we want, and that isn't at all what God wants from us. And, and here he's telling them, do you not understand that you are from the house of Jacob, that, that you need to be representing me? And, and, and then he's going to go into a list of things that they were doing that sure wasn't representing God. What about me in my life? And what about you in your life? And what do you represent? Do people see that you are an ambassador of Christ? Do they recognize and see that you are obviously different in the way that you conduct your life, in the way that you talk, in the, in the things that you do, in the places you go, and the way you raise your family, the way you treat your spouse? And uh, do, do they see those things? They ought to. They ought to see that there's definitely something different about who you are. And, and here he goes on and he says, Is the Spirit of the Lord straightened? Has it gotten to the point where, 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 where the, 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 the patience of, of God has, has fallen short? Is, is, the, uh, is it coming up short? Are, are these threatenings uh, his delight? Are, are these the things that, that he really enjoys? Are these his doings? And do not my words do good to him that walketh uprightly? He said, why are you being offended by my word? Why, why is it that you are upset with Micah? Why is it that you throw Jeremiah in the dungeon? Why is it that, that you treat Isaiah with contempt? Why is it that you try to kill Amos? Why is it that, that you cannot stand those that are, that are coming in and preaching and teaching the truth? Are you not the house of Jacob? Do you not understand that, that the very word that I give you, is it not a help? 
to those who walk righteously and uprightly? Is it not a help and a strength to those that, that are walking in the straight and the narrow as, as God would want them to walk? I mean, he really refutes his own question, doesn't he? Do not my words do good? They deal well with him that walketh uprightly, that walks straight and right. Remember, uh, in, in, if you ever want to see what the Bible says about the Bible, go to Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is a rehearsal on how good God's word is and the power that it has in our lives. But in Psalm 119, in the first three verses, it says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And, and so here it's such a, a comfort and a, and a promise that, that God gives us that if we are being obedient to God's word that, that we will be blessed, that we will be happy, that we will have joy, that we will have God's blessings upon our lives. And when we start being offended by what God's Word says, it's not God's fault. And it's not the Word's fault. There's something inside of us that is causing that to be a problem. God's Word is perfect. It converts the soul. It gives wisdom to the foolish. It helps us to understand and discern who God is. And, and so we should not be uh, offended by what God's Word says, but convicted yes and changed yes but never would should we be upset by what God's word says and be mad at about what it says in Psalm 125 how good it is to to follow in the steps of God and and it says in Psalm 125 verses 3 and 4 for the rod of the wicked shall not rest upon the lot of the righteous let the righteous put forth their hands unto, uh, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. Do good, O Lord, unto those that be good, and to them that are upright in their hearts. I, I had to spend some time on that. I, I sometimes use verses as references and just read them and move on. But I was reading that verse 3 and, and had to study that a little bit more because it just kind of rang true in, in what's going on in our lives today for the rod of the wicked shall not rest and 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 the rod obviously a weapon and and so showing us the the power of of the uh, uh of the wicked is is not going to arrest and or you might even have the idea to oppress to oppress you and so the rod of the wicked shall not oppress upon the lot of the the righteous on the portion yes there might be times where where, where the wicked are, are seeming so powerful. And, you know, I spoke with someone today, and, and they were just saying, you know, I, I know how powerful God's Word is, but, but it just seems like there's such an overwhelming amount of evil in our world today. And, and this verse rings true to all of us today that, that we need to understand that there only, there's going to come a time where God will take that and remove that from us. Praise the Lord for that. And the reason being, lest the righteous put forth their hands unto iniquity. And I, I wrote this out to help me understand more of this too, where 
It will keep you from helping or, or relieving yourselves by presumptuous and unlawful means. Think of where we're at today. I mean, there comes a point, you see the evil that's going on, and, and the last thing you're really thinking about doing is praying and asking God to relieve the pressure. As a matter of fact, instead, you are counting the magazines that you have and making sure that they're all loaded and, hey, I'm guilty of this, and, and, and count all of the magazines that you have loaded and, and, and how, how much ammo do you have, which I do have another shipment coming before too long. It's going to be exciting days at the Monday household. And, and, but, uh, you, you know, we want to look at that. And, and, and here, if we let our minds go where, where our flesh wants us to go with all of this, then, then you find out that you aren't really thinking the way that you ought to in this. And, and, and look, I've said this before, we, we don't need to go looking for a fight. There's plenty of evil to keep us busy the way it is. We, we need to keep doing what God wants us to do. And, and if God allows a fight to come to us, then, then you defend yourself and you defend your family. You defend the right to worship. You defend the right to open your Bible and preach and proclaim the Word of God and, and to stand true to the very Word of God. And, and I, I mean, we need to do those things, but... But here we need to understand that, that with this oppression, we need to understand that God will only allow it to take place for so long and then it does come to a halt. And then we see the psalmist then go on and, and so he's saying this, but then he cries out to God, Do good, do good, O Lord, unto those that be good. God, help us to be good. Help us to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Help us to walk in a way that brings honor and glory to you in, in all that we're doing and all that we're thinking and, and how, we're, how we're conducting our lives. And, and Lord, help us to be good in, in this, good and righteous in your eyes and, and to them that are upright in their hearts. And so we go back to Micah and, and hear the promise. I, I mean, the, the promise is there for, for those believers and and, and here he's telling them that, hey, hey, we know and we understand that, that God's patience isn't shortened up. And, and we know that he doesn't want to do this or like to do this, but he is going to do this. But you need to understand that these words, the words of God, and all of this stuff that's going on right now, that they do good to him that walketh uprightly. Now you think about that. They did go into captivity. You think of, and I've used Daniel as an example many times, and Daniel was a young man who probably watched most of his family die in front of him. And he was taken captive, and Daniel was a good, was a good young man. And God blessed him. And even in a bad situation where you thought, how could anything good come of this? You look at Daniel, and, and, and he was tested along the way, but... Think about how, how Daniel lived in a foreign country as a captive. He became second in charge, didn't he, for one of the kings, just like Joseph. And so we see that even when we think it's a bad situation, God can bring it around and show us that he always has his hand in things. And so let us be careful and let us be cautious and let us walk uprightly as we ought to. Over in, in, in Isaiah Isaiah, uh, another contemporary during this time, in Isaiah 33, 
And in Isaiah 33, uh, verses 14 through 16, he says, The sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness hath surprised the hypocrites. Who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despiseth the gain of oppressions, that shaketh his hands from holding of bribes, that stoppeth his ears from hearing of blood and shutting his eyes from seeing evil, he shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. Bread shall be given him. His waters shall be true. Oh, we see the promise to those who walk uprightly, those who walk straight and right, and, and hear, seeing, knowing, and understanding that this is what we need to do in this wicked world and all the evil that's going on around us, we still need to walk uprightly. We need to be righteous in our behavior. We need to be obedient to what God's Word says. We can't pick and choose of that. We take all of it and we're obedient to all that we read and all that we understand and all that God is using in our lives. We take and we learn more of the counsel of God and every day as our faith grows and our knowledge of the Word grows and we apply more and more of that to our lives and, and we continue to walk and hopefully, and Lord willing, if we are being obedient, the closer we will get to God as we walk with Him. And so we see in their hypocrisy, they were the house of Jacob, but they weren't living up to that. We see that they were carnal in their behavior. It says, even of late, my people has risen up as an enemy. I think that's amazing. I think, you know, and, and, and even as late, you could also interpret it, even as, as early as yesterday, the people now have become my enemy. Because of his word. They hated God for the prophets that came and told them that they needed to quit their wicked lifestyle and, and they needed to live for God. And they were mad and they were upset and they became an enemy of God. And we see our country has done the same thing. We see Christians have done the same thing. Remember, I think it was Charles Spurgeon maybe said that... that um, Either the Word will keep you from sin, or sin will keep you from the Word. And boy, isn't that the truth. I mean, it, there have been times in my life when it's been really hard to read something in the Scripture, and you just got to stop, and you need to ask the Lord. And, and really, most of the time, I don't even have to ask the Lord to search my heart. You're already being convicted of what's going on, and you need to get rid of that in your life. And so... You do one of two things. You either try to justify it and sweep it under the rug and continue on and, and, and live your life with your little pet sin and, and pull it out of the closet every once in a while and pet it and, and, and justify what you're doing. Or you confess it and you mortify it and you walk away from it and get things right with God. And then all of a sudden the word is very refreshing again. But oh, how careful we need to be and, and hear because... How often have we seen those in our, in our family, in our churches, where I, I've seen people who have been on fire for God and, and love the Lord and, and witnessing and raising their families and, and, and they start, I don't know, they, they start having some stinking thinking or they have some circumstance come up in their lives where 
where then all of a sudden it, it's God's fault. And since we can't blame God or because we can't see him and we can't yell at him or, or have, a, have an audience there, so we'll just take it out on God's people. And we've seen it over and over. And every church in America, has, every church in the world has seen that happen. And so we see that they became an enemy of God. Remember what James said? I mean, he, he, was, he was pretty rough on them. He called them adulterers and adulteresses. But he said in James chapter 4 and verse 4, <clears throat> Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? And, and we're not, I, I don't believe that he's talking about the, the sexual adulterers and adulteresses, even though that, that is part of all of the mess, but spiritual adultery. And, and here you are you're conducting your life where, where you are cheating on God. And how are you cheating on God? How, how are you cheating on that relationship that you have with God? Well, he goes on, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? This world is an enemy of God. I, I mean, you, you, and, and we look at our, we, we look in our lives today, personal lives. We look in our churches today, and and we see the carnality is rampant in our in, in our churches today. We see how how the, how there's so many things that that come into the preaching that are humanistic or uh, even evolutionary uh, ideas that come into the pulpits that are that are taught and, and the things that we are looking for in, in our worship and in our preaching and you know preachers that become psychiatrists and and, and 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 some kind of a psychologist in the in the pulpit rather than just preach the word of God it's the word of God that's going to change people's lives it's not your bright ideas and and it's not something that you learned in psychology 101 it's not something that that you think that that's going to show off your intelligence just hey just be humble and understand that it's not the one in the pulpit that's doing the work. It's the Word of God that the Holy Spirit is using to change people's lives. Preach the Word. It's really simple. That's all we have to do. I received some email this week from the ministerial assassination here in town. And that is what it is. And they send me this thing and and how, hey, you guys, on, on June 14th, it's the, it's the Sunday that you preach against racism. And, and, and how we are so guilty of racism because we're not a part of a minority. And, and how we need to stand up against racism. And, and I'm thinking, why do I need to do this? Our church isn't racist. I'm not racist. And I truly not. I could care less what color you are. God could care. Look, God cares what color you are. He made you. And so you're wonderfully and, 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 you're, and, and you're magnificently uh, manufactured by a, a God that created you. And, and what you need to understand is that you need to come to Jesus and you need to trust Christ as your Savior. And then we are all a part of that same family of God. Thank God for that. But here they tell us we need to be counseling our people. Well, counsel the people by preaching the Word. Just preach what the Bible says. Let the Holy Spirit do the work. It's not my job to change you. It's my job to proclaim the word. 
proclaim it. And yes, sometimes it's hard. Micah sure wasn't very easy about it. He preached the word. They hated him for it. So be it. One thing different between Micah and myself, he didn't have an AR to defend himself. <laughs> or friends that have many. I'll just enlighten us. But anyway, here we see that these guys, they, even of late, my people has risen up as an enemy. We have, look, we have enough enemies out there in the world. We sure don't need to be enemies among us. And if the word is offending you, it's not the word's fault. Something in your life is causing a problem. And you've got to dig it out. Let the Holy Spirit dig it out. You pull off the robe with the garment from them that pass by securely as men averse from war. You have those that are, that are going by that, that are innocent and, and, and they're not looking for a problem. They're not looking for war. They're not looking to, to go out of their way to cause trouble. And, and all of a sudden you're, you're jerking them out of the semi and you're beating them to death. That's our society today. And here we see that the Jews were doing that. Now, it wasn't all of them. I'm sure there were some righteous ones. God said, look, the righteous ones during this time, I'm sure, were supporting Micah, and they were praying to God, and they were asking God for mercy, and they were begging God for forgiveness for their country, for their nation, and they were asking God to, to do those things. And, and God said, you keep doing that, and I'll protect you. And yeah, things might get bad around you, and things are going to fall apart, but it's going to be okay, and, and I'll take care of it, and, and I'll deal with the issues. But here they were, there were those that were passing through their country and, and minding their own business, and even those that were righteous, and they were getting yanked out of their homes. The widows, it goes on to the next verse, and women of my people, have you cast out from their pleasant houses? From their children, have you taken away my glory forever? And, and they ripped the widows out of their homes, and, they, and they, they, they put their kids out on the street. And, and how we see that today. We see our banks have gotten to the point they're so greedy that, that here somebody loses their job. So what? Payment due. Thank you very much. Payment not due. Well, you don't pay the payment, then out you go. We don't care whether you're an orphan or not. Don't care if you're a widow or not. Don't care how much, how, what you, uh, uh, is going on in your life. Pay up. As they wallow around in their billions. And I'm not anti-capitalistic. But I think we've gotten to the point where people have lost sight of what our country ought to be. Our country gives billions to these countries that hate us and kill us as we have our own people starving to death. I'm not saying government needs to do anything. Government just needs to get out of the way and quit taxing us to death on, on trash like the, the, the vaccines and, and trash like what in the world are we going to do if we get rid of the cops in Denver? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm never going to, to Denver. I mean, how, how ludicrous is that? Think you're going to defund the, 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 the police officers in, in Denver. The idiocy of all of this. But we as a church also, and we as individuals, 
Oh, how careful we need to be about how we treat one another. And, you know, the best way says that they've been risen up as an enemy. You know, the best way to stay right with God is fall in love with God and hate the world. Not the people, but you hate the system. Why do you hate the system? Because it's the devil's. It's the devil's world. And so we know that there's going to be evil in it. And how do you fight the evil? By standing bold and courageously with the word of God. The only thing that will make a difference. And you live like it. You live true to what the word of God says. And you're bold and courageous in doing so. Take care of those around us. If we get back to where our country used to be, families took care of their own family. And those that didn't have a family, the church took care of them the way it ought to be. Big Daddy government had no business getting into any of it. Now we have the public school system feeding our kids. Man, my kids are not going to eat their trash. I'll feed them my own, my own food. I, I think it's amazing where we've gotten in our country and, and where we've gotten in, as individuals and as families where you just get used to it and they... Hey, man, they're going to take care of this. They'll take care of my kids. They'll feed my kids. They'll, they'll teach my kids. They'll raise my kids. They'll keep my kids after school. They, and then I can have them, I can put up with them for a couple hours at night. But since they've already given them two hours worth of homework, so now I can put them in there and they can do their homework for two hours. And, and I can spend quality time by going in there and giving them a kiss goodnight and walking out of their room. As I wake up in the morning and I, and I hurry them around and, and, and get them in the car or put them on the bus and, and we let the government raise our children in the evolutionary thoughts and processes and, and now abortions are rampant and drug use is rampant and, and our society is falling apart around us and, and Christians are loving the world and so busy chasing after the American dream that they, they let the one thing that's truly important and their responsibility to fall apart and our families are destroyed and our country is where it is today because of that and so shame on us for falling in love with the world so what does he say to this I titled it God's expulsion arise ye and depart simple terms God saying it get up and get out that's just what he said. I'm tired of you. I'm tired of you living like the world. I'm tired of you acting like the rest of the nations. I'm tired of you not being what it is that I want you to be. He can do the same thing to our country. He can do the same thing to us. How horrible would it be? You don't love your family? I'll take it away. You, you want to fall in love with all of those things, then I'll just take your job. You'll see how compassionate the bank is compared to me. God's saying that. You see, I think that, and, and God wouldn't be vindictive in it. God would be holy, righteous, and just in whatever he does. I'm not saying he would ever do that, but he could. He could do whatever he wants. He says, you need to get up. You need to get out. Why? 
For this, this land is not your rest. It's not your resting place. You see, those that are carnal and those that, that aren't obedient, they're not restful at all. They're always searching and always trying to find. Find that peace and they'll never find it. He says, you're going to lose this land and it's not going to be your resting place because it is polluted. And this pollution, it shall destroy you. Even with a sore destruction, it will be grievous. Leviticus 18, he makes this statement about the the pollution of, of their day, even back then, and, and uh, a powerful statement that, that he makes here in, in the last part of, of uh, Leviticus chapter 18. And he says that, verse 24, he says, Defile not you, your, ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled, which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. Ye shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations, neither any of your own nation, nor any stranger that sojourneth among you. And, and get this, I didn't read this, I don't have the time now anyway. You know what the main, you know what he was talking about in Leviticus 18? He was talking about sexual perversion. And one of the main perversions that he was talking about was homosexuality. I don't know how many people have gotten mad at, at the stand that our church takes against homosexuality. And, and I've had people getting fighting mad about it. But look, it, it was an abomination in the Old Testament. It's an abomination in the New Testament. And it's an abomination still yet today. And those that want to stand in a pulpit and say that it's okay or those that stand in a pulpit and are practicing what God calls is an abomination, is complete heresy, and it's not just heresy, but it's a complete and adamant shaking your fist and prideful arrogance shaking your fist at God, saying God can't do nothing about it. No wonder our country is in the mess that it is in. And by that message that I just preached, I will never be able to run for a public office. Good. <laughs> I would much rather people be angry than God. And we're in a sad day. We have people that come to our church, have one lady that's almost 80 years old and said, Pastor, I just got tired of going into my my." Sunday school class of peers my age and the age-old argument that homosexuality is okay. And she said, I'm just tired of dealing with it. Good for you. Get out. Get away from it. And so we go on and, and we stop with verse 10, but I got to finish, or verse 11. If a man walking in the Spirit, and, and this isn't, New Testament, walking by means of the Spirit. This is someone that, that's walking in his own spirit, and it's like he's walking in the wind. What good is the wind? We, we should ask that question today, right? I mean, we think about, we've dealt with the wind over the last couple of months, right? What good is it? Pretty much no, nothing. Not in the way that it is. And that's, 
That's more or less what he's saying here. If there's one that's walking in the wind and, and is about as useless as the wind and, and he's walking in falsehood and, and he's deceiving and, he, and, and you find out that his deceptions are always a disappointment, they do lie. And what is it that they lie about? It says, I will prophesy unto thee of wine and of strong drink. He shall even be the prophet of this people. And, and so now here he is, he's preaching, and, and he's preaching the smooth words, and, and he's telling them that, hey, it's okay. And, and as a matter of fact, that wine and the strong drink and, and all the sensual living that we have in this world, that those are given to us by God and that all is okay. And, and you can live however way that you want to because we live under grace. That's where we're at today. And here they were saying the same thing. Hey, God made it. It's got to be okay. I've had people tell me, pot is okay because God made it. God made goat heads too. After the curse. So if that's so good for you, then why don't you grind them up and smoke them? How ludicrous and are the ideas that we have in justifying our sin. That's where we are. Many times we catch ourselves in that same mentality. I do. Sometimes you just want to justify what you're doing. And God's saying, that's not right. It's not right. You know, he tells us that salvation is a narrow way. There'd be few that find it. If salvation is a narrow way, then don't you think maybe he wants us to live a little bit more narrow way than the rest of the world? I mean, shouldn't we represent him better than what we do? I need to. Our church needs to. Our community needs to see that. Our world needs to see that. But here there were those that prophesied all of this sensual activity. And I just, I, I can't understand. I, I, I saw, a, I saw a, you, you want to blow up Facebook, I could blow up Facebook tonight, just go home and say, Christians shouldn't drink alcohol. I'll have 300 comments in 24 hours. I read one one time, it was such a disappointment. The guy was a pastor. He said, you know what? He said, I like to go home in the evening. I like to get a Jack and a Coke, put my feet up on the recliner, and just relax. Just breaks my heart. You know, my first thought was, obviously, buddy, you haven't been in the ministry very long. Because if you have, you're going to bury somebody that's been killed because of it. Or they've killed someone because of it. Or you've dealt with a family that's been wrecked by it. Or you're dealing, by, you're dealing with a family that's split up because of it. I just talked to a lady this week. Gave me this testimony. And I'll, I'll end with this. And she may even be watching. I praise the Lord for testimony. But we'd made contact a number of years ago. And she'd been in a car accident caused by drunk driving. And was in a wheelchair for quite some time and had recovered, and but was still an alcoholic. And then she got her heart right. And she uh, has been nine years sober. 
And she came to our church before that, about 11 years or 10 years ago, and, and got angry because I had mentioned to her that abortion was wrong. And she got mad at me. She said, but you know what? God used that. My anger, I started talking to God about it, and I got my heart right, and I sought forgiveness. And I sought forgiveness for what I'd done, and she said I had that abortion because I was a drunk. I didn't want my baby to grow up with an alcohol, alcoholic mother. And so I take that baby's life. But she said, I found forgiveness in the Lord, and I praise the Lord for that. I thank God for that. But oh, what could have happened if she had just never touched the junk in the first place? And some preacher wants to stand up here, and he's not going to stand up here. If he ever does and he gets it said, he's going he's to get tased before too long. You guys just need to grit your teeth and hang on because bad things are coming to the guy. But I just find it sad that, that we as Christians, myself included, and I don't want to, we just like to run the line. And we like to keep one foot in the world and one foot on God's side. Why don't we just get brave enough to say, God, there is nothing in this world that, that attracts me whatsoever. All I want is you. All I want is your will, your blessings, your power, your provision, your presence in my life. And let's just jump off full blast, right smack in the middle of God's will, and let's stay there. When we do, this world, in the mess that it's in, as they continue to search for answers, they can find it. They can find it. When we boldly and courageously tell them what the Word of God says, and he'll use that. Let's be that. I know I've kept you guys a long time tonight, but I pray that we learn from Micah. I pray that we learn from Judah and Israel. And a time like this, when all the world seems to be falling apart, is when God needs us to stand. So let's stand. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. I pray your blessings upon it. Pray your encouragement on each one who's here tonight. Bless those even that we're watching tonight or family that's on our live stream. And pray your hand be on them. I pray you guide us and use us throughout the rest of this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Nate, you didn't have to work as late tonight. Or I should say you didn't have to go to work maybe quite as early.